will pray for you, and our prayer warrior ministry will also pray for these requests. And so we, uh, we want to be a church um, that takes prayer seriously. Will you bow your heads with me as we pray? God, now as we prepare to open up the Holy Scriptures, we pray that you would give us a fresh word, that you would open our eyes to something that perhaps we've read a hundred times. Uh, we pray that you would help us to see it clearly today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Now, you've heard the saying, a picture is worth a thousand words, right? A picture does speak a thousand words or can speak a thousand words, but the truth is a picture can never fully or can never make you fully experience the same experience that the person who took the picture had. Does that make sense? It's one of those things where you just have to be there to really understand the feeling that that person had. A picture can never fully elicit the same feeling as experiencing something firsthand. Because experiencing something firsthand is always so much better than just a picture. Now, I like watching football games. Um, less and less I've been able to watch as many football games as I'd like to. Um, even in the era of Tim Tebow, which might be coming to an end soon, um, I still didn't get to watch all the games I wanted to because there's so many other things I have to do on Sundays. But during football season, on any given Sunday, there is a football game on our television. Now, my son won't miss any football games. I try to watch as much as I can so that I can talk to him about them. I like football. And up until the age of 24, the only way I ever experienced a football game was in the front row seats of my couch and my television. How many of you have ever experienced that? It's great. But at 24 years old, on October 29, I received an envelope, and in this envelope were two tickets to go and see the Indianapolis Colts against the Houston Texans. I don't like either team. But I was living in Michigan. One of my good friends gave me this gift, and so I, I, um, I invited one of my buddies to go with me, and we had to drive about three hours to Indianapolis to go see the Colts beat the Houston Texans. And it was one of the most amazing experiences I've ever had. I've been to baseball games. Everybody goes to baseball games, right? $5 seats in the outfield, or at least that's what it used to be. But football games are more expensive. What I haven't told you, and this is not a picture I took. This is a different picture. We were literally three seats from the very top row. I had to look at the jumbotron or whatever they call it to actually be able to watch the game. My seats, my view was much better from home, but there's something about being even in the nosebleeds of a stadium that makes it so much better. A couple of years ago, I used to listen to this radio show on my satellite radio that is no longer on, at least not in the same form. And um, have you ever listened to a talk radio and you hear so much about these people's lives, it's almost like you're friends with them? Have you ever experienced that? And so if you have another friend who listens to the same radio show or your wife, which Kim was not my wife at the time, but we would listen to the same radio show and we would kind of talk about some of the stories that we heard. It's almost like we know the people. And so a few weeks ago when I was traveling to Seattle, I ran into the host of the show. Out of nowhere, I was like walking, I was like, I, I look like a fool, I'm sure. I'm like, Patrick. And he's like... I met his sidekick too. They've since broken up. Things have changed. <laughs> but it's one thing to listen to the radio, 
and a whole other thing for me to actually have a conversation. They were gracious. They were nice. I listened to sermons every week. Every day almost I listen to a sermon. When I'm at the gym, when I'm driving, when I'm going to sleep, I listen to sermons because I don't get to go to church and listen to a pastor preach, except for myself. And so I've been, for the past six or seven years, I was listening to a controversial pastor by the name of Rob Bell. Every week I would hear his podcast. And then a few years ago, I was at the airport. I missed my flight. I was paying the extra $50 to get onto the next flight. And in the distance, I see a guy that looks just like this pastor. And I was like paying. I'm like, can you please hurry up? And he's going, you know, putting his shoes back on his security. So I run over there and I did what any of us would have done. I started kind of trailing him, his two kids and his wife. And so I'm walking there. I'm like, okay, I got I to gotta be cool. I got to be. So he sits down. He opens his book. And I'm kind of, you know, about 30 feet away. And I'm just watching there, you know, pretending I'm on my phone. And then I just happen to nonchalantly walk by and say, you're Rob Bell, aren't you? And he's like, yeah. Sat for the next 45 minutes just talking to him. There's a difference between just hearing or knowing something about someone, and it's a whole nother story. Here's a picture of him. And it's a whole nother story to actually interact with the person in real life. Life is about experiences, real life experiences. And religion is our human way of trying to find a way to interact with God in a real, quantifiable, and tangible way. People will always say religion is bad, it's man-made. And I would say this, bad religion is bad, good religion is good. Religion is what we all do. Whether we believe in Jesus or not, we are all religious people that go back to some of these things that we just believe to be true, and that becomes part of our religious expression. But religion is our way to try to experience God in a very real way. Our Jewish brothers and sisters, one of the things that they do, one of the things that they use to experience God to the fullest is their view and understanding of Sabbath. Sabbath is not new to us. But for Jewish people, I've experienced a Sabbath evening ceremony. I don't know how many of you do worship. I've done worship at home um, growing up with my family, and it was very different than this Jewish experience I had. The father of the house blew the trumpet, the shofar, to signal that the Sabbath was here. And then the kids would go and light the candles, kind of the presence of Christ, or not rather Christ, of God, <laughs> in their home. And they would burn until sundown Sabbath. Because for them, Sabbath was one of these very real, tangible ways that they are connecting and experiencing God. Our Muslim brothers and sisters, they do a lot of things, but one of the things that they do is for the month of Ramadan, they fast for 30 days. Okay, I have a hard enough time going five hours without eating. They will fast, and, and I learned this from um, an imam who has taught me so much, and he's a friend of mine still. I'm trying to get him to visit here, but he lives far away. But he says, we fast not to earn God's favor, but because we depend on God. So from sunrise to sundown, we don't eat or drink water. We don't do any of that because we are showing that we are completely dependent on God's will and God's mercy and that God is enough to sustain us. And I was like, how do you do that? He goes, we just trust God. And at the end of this fast at sundown, they invite all of their friends and people who have less, you know, less than they do, and they invite them to come and participate in the breaking of the fast because they believe that doing good should always happen. 
Experiencing God is what world religions are trying to do. Eastern religions like Buddhism, Hinduism, Jainism, they try to reach the state of nirvana. You've heard it. It's not just the 90s heavy metal rock band, but nirvana is the state of transcendence where they feel like they have somehow connected and tapped in to this universal being or thing. They reach transcendence and they finally reach the place where they were always meant to be. Now, why am I saying all of this to you? Because religion and what we do is about trying to experience God to the fullest. And we do things because we believe that if we are intentional about opening ourselves up to God, that God will not leave us empty. So what we found here this morning, we're thankful for Douglas's acting skills. He is always so willing to do whatever, and I couldn't do half of what he does. I couldn't do most of what he does. But what you saw on the skit was of him waking up one morning and realizing, where, where did my awesome six-pack and muscles go? How many of you have ever, don't raise your hand, how many of you have ever woken up and realized, where did, how did this happen? But you see, you don't get in shape just because you want to. The only way that you get back in shape is if you're intentional. Every part of your life is intentionally trying to get to that goal. It's a decision that you make. Some of you think, I'm just waiting for God to show up, and God's like, I'm just waiting for you to be open to my leading and my presence in your life. Now, some of you who have been Christians or Adventists for your whole life, some of you, you're just thinking like, yeah, but I've never experienced that. And, and my question and my challenge for you would be, maybe you haven't opened yourself up to the miracle and the presence of God. So I want to share with you from Scripture. It's not just stories. But I want to share with you what the, the instructions that Jesus gave us as to how to experience God. Jesus tells us what to do, but Jesus didn't tell us how to do it. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the one true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Now, if you're in one of the small groups that has been meeting this past week, and I think we have about 40 people or 35 people who have met in a small group, this isn't the first time you've seen this passage this week. Somebody actually said to me, um, I feel saved. Is that the same? And I said, it's a part of it, but I think God wants us to feel more than saved. God wants us. God wants you to experience a life that is about more than just knowing that you're saved, but it's about experiencing the intensity of an experience with God here in this world now. Now, just a few moments ago, we just read a list of prayer requests, some of them that just seem so insurmountable. And yet in the midst of all of that, God still wants to reach into your life and say, no matter what happens, I still want you to experience the joy of what I can give you. Knowing God is different than just knowing about God. It's like the examples that I give. Knowing about someone or something or watching a game on television is different than actually being there to experience it live. You know, there's some people who say, well, you know, I don't like to go to church because of the people that go there, so I'm just going to listen to the sermon online. And I said, yeah, but it's not the same. 
We don't come to church because God says we have to come to church. We come to church because this is the place where we can experience something different, something more than just what we experience when we're at home reading the Bible by ourselves. Jesus says, get to know God and get to know Jesus. He doesn't tell us how, but he does give us this promise that the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. We, um, Mom, Kim and I, we, we sometimes have to get, hire a tutor for our kids, especially or, or only in the subject of math. And so we have a tutor that comes that helps to explain everything. And sometimes they explain it differently than their teacher, but they still have the right answer at the end of it. If your kids or if you yourself have ever needed a tutor, does it help? Yeah. A tutor helps you to see what you may not see. And so Jesus says that the Holy Spirit is that type of a helper, that the Holy Spirit will help you, will lead you, and will guide you. So the next question that this kind of prompts us is, and you don't have to answer this, is how many of you have ever experienced the Holy Spirit in your life actually leading? See, if we're honest with ourselves, it may be a little bit harder to quantify that. It might be a little bit harder to say, yeah, I felt the Holy Spirit. But for Jesus, he says, just get to know God and get to know me the Holy Spirit will take care of the rest. You know, one of the reasons that we're doing these small groups isn't just for us to get to know God, but it's to get to know each other. We do these small groups because when we go and spend eternity with God, we don't take anything with us except what? The people that are around us. I would say that church has the potential and the promise to be a glimpse of what heaven can be like. Did you hear that? Church life is a glimpse into what eternity will be like. And some of you are like, well, but so-and-so did this. Great, then forgive. If this isn't the place that we can work on trying to be heavenly and lovingly to each other, it's not going to happen anywhere else. We gather together because somehow we sense and we know that what God wants for us is so much better than what is around us now. And a part of the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit shaping us. Now, how many of you, you've probably had this question in your life, I know I have, where we ask the question, God, what is your will for my life? What is your will for my life? And so we pray to God and we say, God, what is your will for my life? What do you want me to do? And what we find on the other side of that is what Jesus is saying is just stop. Forget yourself for a moment and just enter into my presence. And the Holy Spirit will guide you. In the book that we're going through, the Experiencing God book, the question that the author put poses is instead of saying, God, what is your will for my life? Because it wants it to be about ourselves. God, tell me what to do so I can be happy, so I can live a meaningful and a purposeful life. It's what we do. It's what preachers have stood up here for years. Maybe not this pulpit, but it's what preachers do, right? They go to Jeremiah 29, 11, where God says, I know the plans I have for you. I have the purpose for you. You have for a future. And we use that, and yet that's not what that text is telling us. 
You see, we have made our faith in God about us and not about the God of our faith. Our faith must always be, God, what is your will, and how can I participate in what you're doing in this world? As a church, and we talked about this last night with some of the people I was meeting with, as a church, it's asking God, what is your will? What, what is your will in this community, and how do we become a part of it? One of the things that this church has been doing, just so you know, is trying to over-communicate. Um, we started a new ministry as part of our outreach ministry that's called You Matter Ministry where once a month, and, and this, is, this is real, right? Next month, we're going to go out there. The details are forthcoming. But next month, for the next year or six months or I don't know how long, we're going to be providing hot meals to homeless people in Santa Ana. There's a church who says we will open up our facilities. We will give you all our barbecues or whatever you need, all the tables, all the chairs. You guys just show up, bring the food, and feed the homeless. That's huge commitment. God was already doing that through another group of His body, and now we have been invited to be a part of what God was already doing. God is at work whether we are a part of it or not. As a pastor of this church, I want us to be a part of what God is doing in this community. But the question is, are you moldable enough to be able to see this? And so the picture you've been seeing this morning is, has to do with this. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, come down to the potter's house and there you, I will let you hear my words. Do you see that? Come down to the potter's house. It means that he had to go somewhere. He had to be intentional about something. And he says, and I will let you hear my words. So I went down to the potter's house and there he was working at his wheel. The vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand. And he reworked it into another vessel as seemed good to him. Oh, that's it. As seemed good to him. We are the clay in the potter's hand. It's up to you whether you will allow God to shape you and work with you and work through you to be the person that God has called you to be. The Bible tells us that God is creating a good work in each one of us, and God will not stop until it is completed. That's a promise. It's a promise that God will not leave you alone. It's a promise that God will not give up on you. Your friends may give up on you. Your family may give up on you. Your husband or your wife might give up on you and say, you're never going to change, but God never quits. So if you're experiencing some difficulty in any relationship that you have, and if you're giving up on that other person and you're just saying, like, you're never going to change, maybe it's time to share the prayer. God, form us as we learn to be together. And then allow God to do His work. Because if you're trying to do the work of God, we know what happens. It never gets done. I want to share one final text with you this morning. Megan read it for us this morning, and here it is again. It says, abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them, 
bear much fruit, because apart from me, you can do nothing. God wants you to experience the eternal life now. No matter how bad or how difficult life is, it's just a part of us living on this earth. God wants us to feel the intensity of the moment when we are encountered by God. And God says the Holy Spirit will be there to help you and to guide you, but it's your choice. It's your choice always, and it's your choice every single day whether you will allow yourself to be the clay in the potter's hand or whether you will make your own shape, and a clay vessel cannot make itself into anything but a spoiled pot. The clay needs to be molded, and the Bible tells us, Jesus says, if you abide in me, if you remain in me, if you spend time with me, if you just open yourself to me, I will bear much fruit through you. Your life will be different if you are a part of me. Now, I want to ask Jeremiah, one of our, uh, one of our brothers here, to come up here because I, I need him to help me do something. I need to hold this. Uh, we don't have a table, and he's a little taller, so I need to the visual here. Jeremiah, if you'll just... Can you stand over there a little bit more? You might want to extend your arms. See how strong he really is? Can you, gotta, can you go a little lower because I'm shorter? Actually, stand right there. That'll be better. <laughs> I'm still waiting for the potter to make me taller. The, the, <laughs> the. Here's the best illustration I could think of, of of our spiritual experience. When Jesus says, abide in me, it's, it's like we're a cup. And we're an empty cup. Right, Because a cup is meant to be drank out of. But think of yourself as a cup and as God as the pitcher. I was going to have a water hose in here, but Imars might not have allowed that um, because I might make a mess as our head deacon. So we'll use this. Remember the springs of living water where if God flows through you, we're the cup, God's the pitcher. To abide in God is like this. God doesn't just stop at the brim. Hold it tight but it keeps going and going and going. The Holy Spirit is like a never-ending pitcher of water that never runs out. And eventually, the cup will not only overflow, but so will the basin. And then that'll overflow. That is what God is offering to each one of you this morning. God is offering you his unending abundance of Holy Spirit. I would say that God is offering his very own self to you, that he will fill you to overflowing, and that will never stop. The moment it stops is the moment that we purposely shut that off. But it's your choice. It's your choice whether you will empty the cup or whether you will allow God to continue to fill it. If you haven't had an opportunity to be a part of one of the groups that's been meeting this past week, we're going for 11 more weeks. Some groups are starting next week. Let us know because we don't want you to miss out on some of the amazing things that God is doing in this church. We thought that we would have two, maybe three groups if we were lucky We have nine, and they're full. The Holy Spirit is doing something in this church. 
Even if you don't feel it in your own heart, the Holy Spirit is filling this place like it's filling that cup to overflowing. And we just want to be faithful to what God is calling us to.